Good morning. I've missed the opportunity to be able to interrupt people being friendly and saying hello. It's, it's so good to be uh, speaking live to all of you in the room and to all of you at home. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Uh, we're in a short series called Disruptors that is all about the nature of leadership, looking at how God wants to adjust or disrupt our thinking about leadership and how the very nature of leadership is to bring about change, but change not necessarily in the way that we might expect. One of the primary ways that Jesus' life and teaching has changed my thinking about leadership is through how he modeled that leadership isn't about us, it isn't about me, it's about other people. We spend so much time, don't we, thinking about ourselves. What am I going to do? When will this happen for me? Why haven't I achieved that yet? The greatest leaders in history were all about living for a much higher purpose, existing for a cause that went way beyond themselves. Leadership is about giving your life for that higher purpose or greater cause. And today, we're going to focus on the purposes, uh, but more importantly, the people that go way beyond ourselves and how you and I can have spiritual sons and daughters. Think about great leaders like George Muller. He didn't care for thousands of orphans in Bristol because it would make him look good or make his life better. He did it because there were thousands of children's, thousands of children on the streets of Bristol and they needed to be cared for. Jackie Pullinger didn't leave England and settle in the walled city uh, in Hong Kong in China um, because that was kind of the obvious next life step for her. She didn't live, well, she did live amongst triad gangs and drug addicts, lived with them. She didn't do that because it was easy. She did it to show the love and power of God. Last Sunday, Andy talked about mothers and fathers. Think for a minute about the people who have invested in you personally, who have believed in you, encouraged you, supported you. Don't you want to be like that? I know I do. The kind of person who looks at others with eyes of faith, who believes the best in other people, not nitpicking, not just being critical, and probably we've all received so much of that. How about a healthy dose of, I believe in you, I, I can see potential in you, encouragement and faith. When Jesus looked at his disciples, he didn't see just ex-prostitutes, fishermen, tax collectors, and sinners. He saw precious sons and daughters. He saw sons and daughters who would take the gospel around the world and who would have spiritual sons and daughters of their own. 
he envisaged the way Paul would love Timothy, the way Barnabas would look out for John Mark, even when Paul was like, I don't think we want John Mark on the team. Or the way Priscilla and Aquila would develop Apollos that we read about in Acts 18. Now, today, I want to return to the passage that Andy read from last week. It's the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in Ephesus. Paul had met Timothy years earlier and had traveled with him, gave him various ministry tasks, take that uh, message there, go and help out there. And uh, he'd finally asked him to go and take a lead in the church in Ephesus to sort out various problems with false teaching. So we're going to read the start of that letter, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. What I want us to do is just see what can we learn about the nature of the relationship between Paul and Timothy. If you look at some of Paul's other letters, so at the start of 2 Timothy, which was the last letter Paul wrote from prison in Rome, and then also the letter he wrote to another of his leaders that he'd worked with, Titus you can see lots of similarities. They show Paul's deep affection and care for his partners in the gospel. These aren't just workers sent to do his bidding. He writes to Timothy in those verses we've just read, Timothy, my true son. In the second letter to Timothy, he writes, Timothy, my dear son. And to Titus, he writes, Titus, my true son in our common faith. Can you see how personal and how invested Paul is in these guys? Now, I thought it would be helpful to share a little bit of my own story, which I think will help in explaining how, in many ways, I've been treated uh, like a spiritual son by others. I didn't grow up going to church, but I did have a couple of key Christian influences in my life. So one was my grandfather, who was in the Church of England and was just an incredibly kind man. Another one was my great aunt, so my mum's aunt. She uh, lived here in Bristol, where I grew up, and she cared for her elderly mother, um, really kind of gave up other pursuits in life in order to care for her elderly mother until she died. And she was so kind and loving. And she had just a simple but really profound faith. And so even before I'd been introduced to the gospel, I was exposed to these kind of the example and the way those two people, my grand, grandfather and my great aunt, how they lived their lives. And I think that was really formative for me. In my late teens, I got invited to church, and that led to me becoming a Christian. And the first couple of churches I got involved in, the first one was in Manchester, and the second one was in London when I moved 
for university. And there were those big church families. You know the ones if you've grown up in church. You know, there was one family that had eight children. I know. Another family that had ten children. I mean, be very afraid. James, you've got some way to go. Um, uh, and, and then also in churches, you get those kind of generations of families, don't you? So it's like the grandparents are there, and the parents, and the children, and then the children grow up, and they have children. And, and I think when, that's hap- when that happens, that is wonderful. But that, that wasn't my story. There was little old me, new to church, and invest. I know, I know. Compa- I can see the compassion in your eyes. Poor Ben, on his own, no heritage, just investigating Jesus on his own. But before you feel too sorry for me, there were, once I started getting engaged and involved in church, there were people who invested in me. Uh, I was part of King's Church in London, led by Steve Tibbet, and he had moved to take on the church in the mid-1990s. I know many of you here in the room were not born at that point, and that's a scary thought. But anyway... Steve, when he moved to King's, he got hold of a, a guy in his 20s called Phil Varley. And Phil spent time with me and developed me as a worship leader and a youth leader. That led to me doing an intern year, and later I joined the staff team of that church. And Phil was my friend, but he also oversaw me in most of the things that I ever did in church life. And I benefited from Steve's input into Phil and Phil's input into me. That kind of generational thing. I wasn't part of a family where there were great-grandparents, grandparents, parents. I didn't have that kind of heritage. But actually, there was this sense of one generation inputting into another and then into me. Phil was uh, like a spiritual son to Steve, and I was a bit like a spiritual son to Phil, and I benefited from their leadership and encouragement. And I thank God for his grace coming into my life through those friendships and relationships. And there are people at City Church now who Jess and I invested in years and years ago in London. So someone like Eleanor DL, who is on the Cotton site team and leads Little Elms. We first met her when she was 15 or 16. She was still probably as tall as she is now, um, and she doesn't look very different. Um, but she came along with a friend of hers to our youth group that we led. We first met her husband, Sam, who is one of the city church trustees and also part of the Cotton site team, when he came and did an intern year at King's. Tim Hyam, who's part of our staff team and helps with our ops and communication, he worked with me as an intern in London. The mighty John Cooper was uh, one of the young people in the youth group that we led. Uh, now, I can't take much credit for who all those people have become, um, but we did play some small part in investing in them. And then there's been other people since we came to Bristol that we've had the opportunity to build friendship with and to invest in. 
And for me, that is a key part of what it means to be an elder in this church, to invest in all of you, to help you find what has God put in you, what's God given you, and how does he want you to use that to glorify him, and then also to encourage you to invest in others yourselves, not just to keep it to yourself, but to share it out with others. Now, before we move on any further, I thought it'd be really helpful to hear from someone else and learn from their experiences. So we're going to hear a brief interview now with Emma Gregg. Emma, thanks so much for talking to us today. I'm going to dive straight in with a question. So Emma, uh, who has particularly invested in you as a leader? So I think the first, I guess it's not a single person that comes to mind, it's just particular friendships over the years. Yeah. Um, I think often when we're thinking about being invested in, particularly as a leader, we maybe think about it as like people who are way further along in their journey, but actually in our friendships, we can really choose to invest in one another intentionally. And I can think of just really specific friendships where when I've been, um, in really hard places, they've picked me up and they've they've kind of walked through that with me and they've said, let's pray about this when it's felt hard to pray. Or they've yeah. said, let's read the Bible together when it feels hard to read the Bible. And I think so much of my spiritual formation kind of has come through friends who've been willing to be consistent. Um, and I think that's really important is how we're investing in one another yeah. um because we can do that all the time um would you say that that's has that been throughout your christian life has that have you found that's happened more in the last few years so i think definitely more in the last few years i think growing up i did grow up in church but mm. i think um i didn't sense that as much and i almost think probably after coming to uni i was a bit more open to it and I think that that's a real thing, like people can invest in us, but we need to be open to the wisdom that other people bring into our lives. And I think probably in the past five years or so, I've really um, seen the impact that can have. And so I think as I've got older, I've, I've acknowledged the, the benefits and the, the joy that comes from that. And then could you talk a bit more about specific people who have uh, invested in you or encouraged you in particular ways? Yeah, of course. So the lovely Julia Bindel is a Absolutely. constant encouragement in all of our lives. And I could gush about her all day long. Um, but while I was still at university, um, Julia and I started meeting up. Um, and to be honest, that's just developed into this beautiful friendship and I learned so much from her and the investment kind of looks like I feel that she's invited me into her life that we have very real conversations it's it's never one way we're both talking about what's going on in our lives and just having that open invitation into someone's life you feel so invested in I think through that and you see how they do life and you see how they do faith and so um Julia will be horrified that I've just um, picked her up so much, I think, but she she does that well. 
um, and she calls out the goodness that she sees in me and that is a constant encouragement and has really helped me to develop um, and then I think also um, James Lee has been um, really important in my development as a leader and um, honestly before I interned with church last year I would never have deemed myself a leader yeah. in any capacity um, and James kind of saw something in me and was like, I'm gonna keep calling this out until you believe it. And I'm gonna keep throwing opportunities at you. And when you try and say no, I'm gonna say, you've got this in you, go and do it. Um, and again, it's just, he's been really intentional in that. And I think that's the thing with everybody who I feel has invested in my life is that there's a consistency and there is such a sense of those people being intentional. Um, so that's been really important. That's so good to hear. And then it, it, it's it's funny actually to hear you say, you know, interning last year because it, in some ways, you're doing so much that it feels like you've been around for much much longer than that and leading much longer than you have. So, but now position that you're in, how do you feel like you're investing in other people? So, I think just building friendships and doing life with people. So. And um, just in my role as part of the R City team, I think just getting alongside particularly students and young adults. And sometimes that looks like a big commitment. And sometimes it looks like there's some people who I hang out with once a fortnight and we read the Bible together and we just talk about that in depth. And honestly, like that starts out as, okay, I'm going to invest in you by reading the Bible with you, but it there's like a mutual investment you know I get so much from getting to sit down um with those girls and just and read the bible yeah. um and so I think investing in people just in in everything I'm like I just want to lead you to Jesus and I want you to know him more deeply and so my investment in others can look like calling out the goodness I see in them I think that's really important because often we don't believe um our skills or the the gifts we've been given yeah. so I am like relentless in telling people that they are like excellent communicators or like telling them they did something really well and like if you keep telling someone eventually they'll believe you <laughs> um, and so I think that's a big thing it doesn't seem like a big thing but it's something that I like to do on a regular basis amazing Emma thank you so much for talking to us and I'm sure we'll hear more from you again in the future. Thanks. Thanks, Emma. It's great to have those insights. And I want to pick up on one of the people that Emma talked about, not the wonderful Julia Benedel, but James Lee. James is one of the people that I have served most closely with in the last few years. We didn't know each other before uh, I, we moved to Bristol, um, but we have um, done lots of stuff together. Since I've been here, James has taken on the leadership of the Students and Young Adults, which is now called Our City. Uh, a few years ago, he joined the staff team. He can never remember when that was, um, but it was initially part-time and then became his full-time job. Um, he's taken on responsibility for worship across the church. He's 
uh, helped me lead this site at Cottom in the last few years. And then it was fantastic, wasn't it, when James and Jamie became elders last year. And we've got an announcement. Today, I am delighted to announce that James is going to be taking on the leadership of the Cottom site from me. You are allowed to cheer. Yay. Um, I really do regard James as a friend, and in some senses, you know, maybe playing tennis and things like that, like a spiritual son, you know, I've been able to impart some gifts and abilities to him. Um, but more and more as a brother and a partner in the gospel. And this is what it means to invest in people and to see them flourish, to see them grow and mature so that they have sons and daughters of their own. So I know James will do a phenomenal job leading this site. And if we'd been in normal life, we probably would have made this change about six months ago. Um, and behind the scenes, James has been doing more and more in helping me lead this site. Um, but we felt like now is the right moment. Even though we've been delayed by COVID and not being able to meet together properly, we're really acknowledging what has already happened and is already a reality. And so what that means is James fully leading here at the Cotton site. Jamie Finley will continue leading the Bradley Stokes site. Ashley George leading the Fishpond site. And that uh, that really means that while Jess and I and our family will still be based at Cottom, it just means I am free to kind of give more support to those site leaders and their teams and helping every site of City Church and future sites that we're going to start. You are allowed to smile behind your face masks. Um, uh, making those flourish and be as healthy as possible. So why don't we just take a moment as I'm here in the room, and we can do things spontaneously, why don't you stand with me, and I'm just going to lead in prayer for James and Sarah. And if you're at home, you might want to stand up as well. Father, we thank you so much for James and Sarah and Maddie. We thank you for the years that they've been part of City Church. God, we thank you for the ways that you have blessed them and made them flourish. I thank you on behalf of all of us, all the ways that we have been blessed by them. And God, we pray for them as James takes this next step in his leadership. God, would you abundantly bless them? Would you pour out your spirit on them, equip them, and anoint them for the challenges ahead, for the opportunities ahead? Give them great faith and courage that this site of City Church would flourish and grow and maybe start other sites. And James, in his eldership, would be a blessing right across the whole church and beyond. We pray that they would make an impact for you in this city. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I should finish the message, really, shouldn't I? Um, I saw Jess grab a microphone like she was wanting to, to move on. Um, but let's just finish. What do we mean by spiritual sons and daughters? We may or may not have the privilege of having our own biological children, but we can all have spiritual 
sons and daughters, people we care for and nurture. They might look very different to us. They might be from a different nation, many different backgrounds and stories, but we are called to invest in others and help them to flourish, not viewing people in terms of what they can do for you, but what can you do for them and to bless them, not thinking of people in terms of, oh, are they useful to me? But how can I be of use to them and how can I make them flourish? You don't look at a newborn baby, particularly if you're the parent, and think, oh, when are you going to make me a cup of tea and, and do something useful? Um, you, you look at them with love. You hope for their happiness. Most of all, you, you dream that they're going to know Jesus for themselves. And you dream big dreams for them. You have faith for who and what they will become. So to finish, I want to try and apply everything that we've been talking about for us. And the main thing that I want you all to get hold of is that you have something to pass on. There's things that you've been given by God, talents and natural ability, things that have been invested in you by spiritual mothers and fathers, things you've been taught and skills that you've learned that you can pass on to others. In fact, you're meant to pass it on and entrust it to daughters and sons. One of the biggest mistakes in life is that we think all the investment in us is in order to get us to a certain sort of achievement or position and then to keep you there. But I would want to challenge that. Think of uh, the analogy of someone who gets rich and then they kind of amass this private art collection uh, from their wealth that only they, it's in a room locked away and only they can go in and look at it. That's what we're like if we just invest in ourselves and think it's all about us. But what we're meant to do is in that analogy, get rich, you know, all the blessings that we get from God is to then promote others, to sponsor others, to promote them, to support them in using their God-given abilities and becoming who God's made them to be. You've been invested in so that you can invest in others. So very quickly, how do we do it? How do we invest in spiritual sons and daughters? Firstly, you need to know who you're investing in. Yes, we can and should be a blessing to everyone around us, but it's good to know who you are specifically developing. Jesus had his 12 disciples, but there were times when he took James and Peter and John aside and spent time particularly with them. He also sent out the 72. Who has God put in your life? Maybe you could make a list of the people that you particularly want to invest in and nurture. Lists aren't dead. I love a good list. Um, it might be friends. It might be someone in your team at work. It might be someone in your connect group or in a ministry that you serve in. Maybe God has put someone on your heart who doesn't have anyone looking out for them 
and, and working for their good and for their best. Maybe God's putting them on your heart. You could be the one to be a spiritual mother or father to them and to invest in them. And before you do anything else, you could just start by praying for those people. Pray that God would bless them and that he would use you to be an encouragement to them. Secondly, you need to be intentional. These things don't normally just happen. Think about investing your money. Your money doesn't normally just make its way to someone else's account. At least I hope it doesn't. If, if that's happening, you maybe need to look at your finances. Often you have to say, the, you know, the account number and I want it to go there and then it asks you for a confirmation. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to hand over your money to that person? Well, it's a bit like that with when we're investing spiritually in other people. We need to be intentional. And you, I would say not money, your greatest asset in developing other people is your time. Emma talked about that, just about how grateful she is to just being able to spend time with Julia. You can invite people into your normal life. Just get them involved with what you're doing. It's not like you need to set aside hours and hours of extra time to do special activities. You can just say to someone, do you want to come and do this with me? And then on top of that, you can also set aside particular times to meet up. You might suggest praying together or looking at the Bible together, or just having time to talk. God can use you as a positive influence in that person's life. Thirdly, think about what you can do for that person. The best thing, of course, that you can do is to point them to Jesus, is to help them to delight in God and to be all they can be because of Jesus. Be a guide for them. You know, that can involve teaching, training, inspiring, investing, developing, directing, counseling, advising. That doesn't mean those people will always follow what you say. Isn't that sad? Wouldn't it be great if you just said, I think you should do this, and they go, yeah, that's a great idea. Often people don't. They do silly things, and they let you down. But you can still invest and believe the best for them. Paul writes about being a godly example in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Follow my example or imitate me as I follow the example of Christ. That's really what you're not offering yourself. You're not saying, look at me, aren't I great? Aren't I snappily dressed? You know, you really want to imitate me. You're not saying that. You're just saying anything of Jesus that you see in me, imitate that. But mainly what we're trying to do is follow Jesus together. And then lastly, fourthly, do something now. Don't wait until you're a better person or a more mature Christian. You know, when you think I've amassed enough experience that I've actually got something to offer. You have something to pass on. So start now. Reach out to someone. Spend time with them. Invest in them. There may be particular things you can give away, like uh, responsibility at work. Maybe you can de delegate something to someone. Perhaps you can ask them to lead something. As you do that, it provides the context 
and the opportunities to coach them in how to do things and to give them constructive feedback on how they can improve. The bottom line to all of this is that having spiritual sons and daughters is what we're all about, passing on to others what we've discovered in Jesus, living out the Great Commission to make disciples of men and women in all nations, helping them to know life in Jesus, relationship with him, forgiveness, love, freedom, family. If we're not doing that, then let's, let's pack up all the equipment, let's stop live streaming, and let's just go home. This is what we're here for. And who knows what a son or a daughter might do. Maybe they will go way, way, way beyond you and do things that you wouldn't even believe. Praise God, let's believe for that. Imagine having sons and daughters who will champion causes like environmental concerns or eradicating poverty, who will challenge injustice and bring righteousness in law and politics, who will be teachers and nurses, who will start businesses, social enterprises, or plant churches, who will be a force for good in the arts and media, and who will introduce other people to Jesus and see their lives transformed by him. You are all sons and daughters because of Jesus. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, by faith, you become sons and daughters. So wherever you are now, be a good son and be a good daughter. Learn all you can so that you can invest in your own sons and daughters. You're never too young to start. Let's stand together and I'm going to pray and if the band could come back as well. Father, thank you that we are your sons and daughters. Thank you for the way that you fathered me. Thank you that in Christ, I have become a child of God. Help me take your commission seriously to make disciples, to be diligent in investing in others and helping them grow into maturity. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be a church that keeps investing in the next generation, where older saints invest in younger. I pray for our children, our youth, our students and young adults. Let them take their place. I pray they would go way beyond us. I pray they would plant churches and go to unreached peoples. I pray they would influence society for good by doing business ethically and leading by example. We're believing you, God, for amazing transformation if we take what we've been giving, given and invest it in others. Be glorified, God, in all of these things. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to hand back to Emma and Jamie.